Hey everyone, welcome back to episode 76 of Casual Watch Talk. You're joined by Sam and Chris and a special guest, Justin, who was on our week a show a few weeks ago. How have you been, Justin? I've been good. Thank you for having me back. Hey, Chris, how have you been? I've been great. I've been oh, great. Excellent. Justin's got the, uh, Justin's repping the IWC. Nice. You like that? <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> well, this week, what we thought we'd talk about is uh, a few weeks ago, Justin joined us. Justin's from our local neighborhood Rolex AD here in Orlando. And we discussed everything to do with Rolex on that episode. But what we thought would be pretty cool is Justin has experience in a lot of other brands and Chris and I have been wanting to do a show like this for a while but we're going to focus today on Tudor. So the reason we wanted to talk about Tudor is it seems like in recent years you're definitely hearing a lot more about Tudor and I always wondered why that was, why for a long time they were kind of really in the the shadow of Rolex it felt like. So I wanted to do this show so that we can go through a bit of the history of Tudor and then bring it up to modern day because I've owned a Tudor Black Bay 58. Before we dive into all of this, let's just look at a bit of a history. If you're not familiar with who Tudor are, the name was originally trademarked in 1926 on behalf of Hans Wildorf, who of course was the owner of Rolex. And in 1936, Hans Wildorf really took over the Tudor brand And the idea was to offer more affordable watches alongside the Rolex brand. Typically, they would use off-the-shelf movements while using the Rolex quality bracelets and cases. So with the launch of the, predominantly with the launch of the Tudor Oyster collection in the mid-1940s, the waterproof Oyster case, which Rolex pioneered, was then added to Tudor watches. In 1952, Tudor released their first self-winding model, which is now known uh, as the Tudor Prince, which is actually quite a collectible model. And it used the a Rolex self-winding mechanism instead of an off-the-shelf one. Bring it up to modern day, the recent Tudor models, I think really from 2012, was where they focused on their dive watches. They bought the Heritage Black Bay out which was a reinterpretation of the early Tudor Submariner. And then they also bought out the Pelagos, which I know is a big fan favourite of Chris's. 2013, the Black Bay actually won the Grand Prix de Horologie in Geneva, and also the Pelagos went on to win the Sports Watch Prize in 2015. Uh, Then they started doing some really interesting designs, particularly the North Flag, which I would say is one of their most distinctive ones. And then bringing it right up to modern day, which is going to be the primary focus of this show, they released the Black Bay 58 in 2018, which I think really exploded the brand. Justin, I guess, kick this off. I'd really like to hear your point of view. I know you had some experience in selling Tudor. In 2004, Tudor stopped all USA sales. They returned in 2013, it seems like, with a vengeance. They really wanted to reinvent themselves and aim the brand at a, at a more youthful market. To be honest, I think everything that they've done this far is, has been fantastic. Um, definitely, you know, I think has gotten out of Rolex's shadow, you know, with, with the Pelagos, with the Black Bay. Um, and, you know, starting to experiment with a lot of other cool, you know, alloys like bronze and silver, et cetera. 
So you uh, you actually sold Tudor for a little while? I did. I did. Um, only for, for about a year or so. Um, I, I've owned a Black Bay. I mean, fantastic watches. Um, I mean, I, I don't want to call it a beater, you know, because it, <laughs> it is a, you know, $3,000 watch, which is, you know, it's pretty, it's very expensive, but I mean, the, the quality, like, you really just can't, you can't beat it. So I actually didn't know that, uh, Tudor had left the U S. So, I mean, when I got involved in watches, it was early Pelagos days. I didn't realize it. And it was really up, you know, heading, heading up, I think from there. So fascinating. What did you guys think of the 2021 watches and wonders, the, the new Tudor releases? Do you know what I think is interesting about one of the distinctions between Tudor and Rolex is Rolex has always carved its own path, hasn't it? It's There's not often times that you can draw model lines from things that people have really wanted from them. In fact, that's why it's so hard to do a Rolex predictions video, isn't it? Because a lot of time people make predictions pre-Watches and Wonders and Rolex do. Right. I, I can't think of a single watch where a youtuber has hit, hit the nail yeah. on the head yeah and 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 they always want more than like you dream like you dream big so you know oh ceramic and this and uh, you know different colors and they're like yeah so it has the better movement and you're like okay all right and we we slightly tweaked the lug dimensions you know like super tiny stuff um you know that is a very very Rolex trait and that's okay and as we've definitely discussed on this show like yes there are people that want them to go crazy and do crazy stuff but that's not what they do they're they're gonna go incremental and change it but you know here we have Tudor I feel and I think Sam feels too like they're they're easy to experiment I mean we see you know stuff fun stuff different stuff colors these sorts of things different materials um, that they'll really stretch out and try for for their sports watches yeah, absolutely. And I feel like they they do respond to what people want. The watch community definitely wanted a they loved the the Pepsi Rolex, but it was hard to get hold of at the time. So they wanted an alternative. So Tudor's like, great, we've made a GMT alternative. Then people were yeah. loving the Black Bay. Um but people were like, oh, this would be great if Tudor had their own in-house movement in here. So there was a there, suddenly there was an in-house movement version, and then of course mm -hmm. the only other complaint that people had, with the exception of it doesn't have the date, which is my complaint, but the only other egg complaint <laughs> that they had was it was slightly too big for smaller wrists. So Tudor was like, "Well, you know what? Let's uh, let's go for it." They do listen to what the watch buying public is really interested in and they bring it out and then also they try some really cool stuff don't they like that that p1 that military one now have they um have they discontinued the north flag oh the north flag yeah that's a i don't know if they still make it it was no. okay okay that was one of those where i think tudor tried some i mean completely different modern font on it super sports watch style um where that where they came out I feel like that watch has a super cult following. It's iconic to Tudor as well because it's it's named after that the famous expedition that they did to Greenland in like nine, the nineteen fifties. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, you're right. Not only was it a different font, but it was about that time, wasn't it, that Tudor even changed their logo from the rose logo to the shield logo. Mm. So you certainly don't get the parent company Rolex minor tweaks to the crown over time but the logo hasn't fundamentally changed like that one but 
Yeah, I guess, Justin, when when you were selling uh, Tudor, I mean, what's your typical Tudor buyer? Was it people that were coming in to look at other brands and then you could obviously talk about the value for money that you're getting with Tudor? Or was it people that really knew, enthusiasts that really knew a lot about Tudor, especially, I guess, those those sort of early years when it was coming back? The Tudor customer... I, I feel like the the watch guys like you and I they love the brand they they know all about the brand there there is a small small group that doesn't really know too much about it and you know as soon as you 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 say that it's a part of the the Rolex family you know they're 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 into it um, you know it, it's a it's a less it's a lesser price point I, I feel like the the main tutor client is definitely for the the watch guy. So it's definitely more educated buyer that comes in with a mind of what they're what they're looking for. I've owned the Black Bay Fifty Eight. I did a, a couple of uploads on the channel with it. I know when that came out, I knew about Tudor quite a bit, but when that Black Bay Fifty Eight came out, I mean there was other watches announced in that twenty eighteen Baselworld. I can't even remember what they were. I think even the maybe the new Pepsi uh, Rolex was released then the G, the the GMT, but. It seemed to like steal the show, and I think that might have even took Tudor by surprise. Since that release, I feel like they've been stealing the show consistently every single year, hmm. releasing things that maybe people were hoping that Rolex would do it. And then they kind of continued. I mean, with the uh, with the blue, of course, everyone was dreaming for you know everybody wants a stainless steel blue Rolex, right? I I would I would like that. I would want that. They aren't going to do it. That's fine. But Tudor's like, yeah, we'll make it a blue. <laughs> and so I'm like, <laughs> and then this year with the the latest release, the bronze. So I f- feel like they're just they're just like, yeah, okay, sure, we'll yeah, we'll totally do that. You want that? Okay, you know this kind of thing. They certainly set it up. I mean, I don't know how many more they can do, but I mean, there's there's a color and option for everyone, and I think I think that they haven't worn out their welcome yet. Another thing that Rolex used to do that they stopped doing a long time ago, but. Tudor, although they only did it in a small way, was having shop-specific ones because where you used to be able to get the Tiffany Rolexes, but that I think that stopped in the 80s. You ended up getting that Black Bay that was the Harrods limited edition, wasn't it? The green That's one right. that actually came quite sought after. Another interesting Black Bay, which I know Federico, I think he's managed to get his hands on one or two of them over at the Delray Watches, was the custom ones that Ed Sheeran had made for all of his touring crew. Tudor customized the dial with the name of the tour on it as well, which I know Rolex used to do that back in the day, but they will only ever customize the back of a watch now, I think. I'm not familiar with with, the, with those Ed Sheeran pieces that you're speaking of. They have been doing full bronze, which is a boutique only piece. Oh. They're definitely starting to become a little more exclusive, definitely harder to get. The most sought after, I would say, from this most recent release is the the black bay chrono mm. i absolutely love it they they do like the panda and the reverse panda i think it's a big hit now when you you mentioned um boutique only this is a this is a change there they were they were selling online you you could put it in your basket or through resellers there's jewelry stores for instance like turno turno will carry multiple watch brands right versus a store that only carries a certain brand. I see. I believe Tudor, they're, they're planning to open up, you know, a bunch of boutiques across the US. And I didn't know that. I, I don't think I've ever seen a Tudor dedicated boutique, even in New York or anywhere. There's actually two slated to open up. One in New York. I believe that's going to be alongside a Rolex boutique. 
And there's also one here in our neck of the, neck of the woods in, in Orlando. Wow, yeah. really? All right. You heard it here. We've had the bronze, but I'm interested to know, Justin, what you think of the, the one that they made out of silver. Now, it's, they said it was a tarnish-resistant silver, but I can't think of another watch that's been made out of silver. And Rolex have never done a silver alloy watch case themselves, have they? No, no, they haven't. And to be honest, I, I've never heard or I've never seen anything in silver either. This watch in person is amazing. Hmm. The case is fully brushed, but it, it's more of like a coarse, kind of like a like a wire, wire brush finish, hmm. which gives it like a, it's like a different shade uh, versus like the stainless steel. Taupe bezel, taupe dial, which is more of like a gray. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a, it's a home run. That was one of my favorites as well. You know, it's just so different. And pretty reasonably priced, if I remember. That is 4300 Yeah comes on you can get it on the on the leather strap or there are nato straps the nato straps i feel like not a lot of people know about those straps too they are jacquard woven strap which is made in france it's the same company that bags for chanel dior hermes some people kind of write it off and think that it's not luxury whereas you know this the these straps that they that they put on the watches are the opposite it, uh, I mean, you know, to be fully transparent here, it was definitely something that has come up on the show. We we have we have kind of talked about it. It it is divisive a little bit. The NATO straps for them to do that. I'm guilty of this all the time. I will make another car analogy. It is like the the nylon door poles on the supercar, where they're like, well, you know, <laughs> like we don't want to put metal there because it would weigh too much. So we just gave you this nylon strap, and you're like, this is a three million dollar car. Why am I grabbing a, you know? So, so it's a, a touch of that, a touch of that. And it's, you know, I think, uh, and I'll speak for Sam here. He was, uh, he had his heart set on the bracelet and had, to, and, and had to sort of settle for that. So if you're settling for it, you know, it's, it's a little tough. Yeah. I, I, I yeah, I've probably said them some things about the Tudor NATO that I perhaps can't walk back. So we will leave it there. But the, the reason, <laughs> I'm guessing the reason why this silver one doesn't have a bracelet option is because of the machining of the the silver i'm guessing we're talking about how many tudor have really hit on the nose of their designs but i personally can't help but think that the gold one was a bit of a miss we've been talking about the typical tudor buyer i think that the cost for the gold one which is sixteen thousand eight hundred, that that puts you straight in rolex territory i mean how much is the sky dweller the sky dweller is sort of around that price isn't it in stainless steel I can't see why you would buy that myself. Sure. Yeah. The, the steel sky dweller is 14,800. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I have an opposite opinion. I, I actually love that gold watch. I do wish that they would have put a gold bracelet on it. Ah. What I don't really care for. I mean, I, I do love the fact that, that they put the exhibition case back on it. However, I think that they could have, maybe decorated the movement a little bit more. I see. You know, maybe put like a gold rotor or something like that. But I love the green. I love the gold. I, I think it is priced very well. Hmm. Um, but I mean, you know, to, to each his exactly. own. Exactly. Okay. Right. <laughs> Even if you think that the price 16800 is reasonable, it is not unreasonable at all to expect there to be a gold bracelet with that as well i don't know how much a gold what would you say would be a comparison to that uh, the day date gold from 
Rolex? The day date is 30, 36, 550, 37, But mm. I mean, you know, you all, you're also getting a full the bracelet. Full bracelet, okay. And interesting that you you dig the gold. Do you do you see? Because uh, we've seen this sort of flip back and forth, where um, everybody was like, "You must make a stainless steel. Why are you not making stainless steel?" And uh, you know, and then and then companies are I see starting to maybe flip back to you know, "Hey, let's let's put out a, a platinum. Let's put out a silver. Let's put out a gold." Well, I mean, I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, kind of the brand. I think experimenting seeing what's a hit, seeing what's not where, where I think Tudor kind of missed the mark. Right. So, you know, right now it's extremely difficult to obtain a Rolex, right? So maybe get a Tudor, which is a part of the Rolex family. These Tudors are becoming extremely hard to get to like this green one. We've maybe seen one. So that is, that's how hard to get. Is that, and is that, are they limiting that in any way that, you know, it's not a limited edition or anything. No, actually, none of their watches are are limited edition or numbered or anything. Yeah, I guess that's one of the good things from the from the parent company, isn't it? That Rolex don't don't go for the uh, the limited edition, limited number edition versions. So we discussed the Black Bay. Chris and I thought uh, we did a bit of a show last week where we did hit or miss, and we had the Black Bay bronze as a big hit we felt it was a, a hit what do you think justin based on on what you've seen of you know wh- what your feeling is of the market and the the way they've gone about this i i agree i think it is it's a it's a it's a home run it is a boutique only piece so i'm sure this one will be a difficult one for people to get their hands on one of the things that tudor does with their bronze they add different elements into it to stabilize the bronze and, you know, I, I've seen multiple tutors, you know, months after in bronze and you, you do get a patina, but it's not as harsh as some of the other bronze watches that I've seen, mm. which I actually really like, um, you know, for instance, like the, the Panerai Bronzo, mm-hmm. right. You know, you, you wear that thing for a week, you know, and, and a week later it's, yep. it's it looks like a green wreck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Jack exactly. What'd you guys go? How long are you in the pool? Jeez. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's good. Yeah. It, it, it was one of the reasons, uh, it was one of the reasons it was a hit for me. Um, Bell and Ross has done some stabilized bronze. They did a stabilized bronze chronograph and just sort of matched. They, they wanted to go for that color and, and make sure it kind of stuck. And, um, yeah, that's, I mean, that, that's what made it a hit for me. I mean, you know, you can, I think the, I think this is the more mature. I think early when bronze started coming out, people were just doing some experiments and like, oh, well, we can have it patina, things like that. And I and I think you're right. A, like a, a good example is, you know, a Panerai kind of takes on a life of its own, which can look really cool. But I I don't think every sports watch, you know, or something that I'd be into would would uh, I'd want it to like take on take on all sorts of stuff so and unlike our gold friend the bronze does come with its own bracelet ah yes complimentary shifting a second through to one of the hits that i thought at watches and wonder this year was the you briefly mentioned it uh, justin before but the the black bay chrono now they had a chronograph that looked like this before the steel and uh was it steel and gold was it the s and g gold and they've had other chronographs 
that look a bit similar to this, but for some reason, and I presume everybody else felt like this because I know they're quite hard to get hold of, they just, the proportions of this just look right. It was funny because I felt like Zenith when they bought out their um, chronograph and everyone was calling it the, uh, the, the Zenith Daytona. I feel like this was Tudor's reply to that, and I think they did an excellent job of it. There's just something about the proportions, because I've never really lusted after a Tudor chronograph quite the same way as I have with these ones. Have you managed to get your hands on one of these at all yet? Well, so actually some some clients call this the, the Tudor Breitling, because uh-huh. this actually... Um, so when when they released this, they they teamed up with Breitling and they they kind of like traded movements basically. Um, oh yeah, yeah. This this is essentially a it's a BO one movement that's um, you know it's been modified by Rolex to their standards. But yeah, I I believe they they use this movement from Breitling and then I believe the same movement that's in their Black Bay went to Breitling for their Super Ocean. I've covered this on the channel before. Breitling used to do that quite a lot. And in fact, the Swiss watch companies used to share movements. I mean, the Hoyer or Tavia, the iconic Hoyer watch Mm -hmm. before Tag bought them, that had a movement that I think there were several companies involved. Hamilton Buren and Breitling actually made that the Calibre 12 movement where they all bought their expertise together. So it's nice to see that that's happened again. Yeah, no, certainly, certainly. Um, And then now you also see with their with their new black base ceramic and how it's um it's now a master chronograph tested by matas mm. i don't know if you've seen that as well so now they're they're kind of like teaming up with omega essentially i mean some of their stuff was i mean the, the pelagos was cosk certified um but that wasn't a that wasn't a, a, a mainstay for the brand i feel like speaking of brightling we, uh, you know more of a brightling thing so all the new Breitlings are Cosk. Um, so that, yeah, that's that's interesting. I mean, that they're just they're bringing that that additional accuracy verification, which is great. I uh, go, kind of going back to the Sam. You really called the like proportions. I feel like the older uh, the older Prince chronographs, they they just they just didn't quite look i mean they they looked like tutors but they didn't they didn't have i mean i think your comment on proportions is right because i see like some old tutor prints uh on chrono 24 right now and i'm they really span the gamut like they kind of looks like an omega kind of like a pilot almost like a brightling kind of like a zin maybe um they didn't have the distinctive style and this new one uh, super distinctive. I love the panda. I'm a sucker for the panda dial. I want one, and and uh, I think they're great. I think they're decently priced too. Yeah, I do. And another, um, I, I mean, this is me being a, a supportive, but also seething with jealousy of another YouTuber. I know that um, Adrian at Bark and Jack's got a really good relationship with Tudor. I think they must have a, I think he's based in London. They must have an office there. But he, if you're interested in any of these new Tudor watches, he can, he usually gets his hands on them. And I mean, his photography is like next level in terms of the watch reviewers. He's some of the best macro work that you'll see. But he manages to get hold of these. And he did a review of the the bronze the other day. He's done a review of the chronographs. And they're just... They they really do hold up to the the scrutiny under the macro lens. Uh, We've talked about 
Tudor. I'll get your advice. Uh, get your opinion on this, Justin. We talked about Tudor kind of responding to the watch community, being an enthusiast brand, and then you know it seems like these the ideas filter through. But one thing that it seems that they constantly get asked for, every watches and wonders people are waiting for, but it never seems to come to light, is the Tudor Submariner with the snowflake hands. Do you think that's that's too much of a crossover? So Tudor very much used to be a crossover between Rolex and that you used to get the Oyster case, but with the Tudor dial. But do you think bringing a Tudor Submariner out might be a little too on the nose these days, or do you think it might happen? I mean, in, in my opinion, I, I don't think that, that they would bring that back. Um, I think that, you know, Tudors started to carve their own lane. And I, I think the, the Black Bay is here to stay. Um, I, yeah, the, if, if they were to do the, the Submariner, I feel like it's too, too Rolex-esque, if you will. But we really want it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But no. Yeah. But me why too. Can't me we too. have it. Yeah. yeah. No, right, Don't right. make me buy a homage. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I think it's fair to say as well. We've been giving Tudor a lot of a lot of props here, but I think one thing I personally think that they struggle at is where Rolex obviously does an excellent job of the date just the Oyster Perpetuals, the Lady date justs. I feel like Tudor still is kind of finding its way with maybe the women's watches and the more dressier pieces. Mm. Having said that, I've had no experience in selling Tudor. So do you have an opinion on that, Justin? Do you think that, do you see a lot of dress pieces being asked for from Tudor or was it more the core black bays and things like that that we've been talking about? Tudor actually just released the Tudor Royal, 41 millimeter at 36, or no, sorry, at 38. And there's a 34, which is, you know, smaller lady size. And the feedback for that has been great. It has like the integrated, you know, case bracelet look. This is, this is the one with the fluted bezel sort of look. Yes, oh, okay. Yes, okay. Yes. I've seen this. Yeah. And that, that, that's actually, that's been a hit. You know, I, I, I think it's, it, it was definitely needed, you know, for their you know, ladies watches, also dressier watches. Um, and, and they also make, you know, the, the black Bay, um, 32 the 36 and the 41 so you know there there's a black bay for everybody yeah i'm seeing it down uh looks like they've got even as small as uh 28 uh tiny 34 38 so these are in uh, men's and women's sizes so they basically it's the the same and that and that's that's newly out oh all right all right something we haven't covered yeah it's a more it's a dressier integrated bracelet sports watch which Definitely, you know, is, uh, you know, certainly, certainly popular and uh, not, I would say not something that I would wear, but uh, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't talk about it. So actually, uh, this is new to me. This isn't far off your Oyster Quartz, is it? Yeah, it's actually, it's very similar. Yeah. Very similar. It looks a business and very reasonably priced there in 2000. I like the uh, I like the full day to, uh, day at the top. It's very uh, yeah, Hamilton khaki, but I I definitely like it. Almost exactly the same layout as the d- day date with the, mm, yeah. the day at the very top at the twelve o'clock position. Yeah, it's a handsome looking watch that actually, and that's quite a 
reasonable price as well and it's got sort of it's not really a fluted bezel it's kind of a semi it looks fluted but it looks like it's semi-textured yeah yeah i mean it's it's all steel it's not like it's a precious metal or anything it's like a flute and polish is what it looks like it's tough it's tough when it's straight on i see i'm seeing some of the additional pictures you can pop up there definitely a cool watch i, I think it was it was definitely needed um you know some some clients have been saying that they feel that they're going to kill the black bay because they release so many variations um i feel, i think it's a different i think it's a different buyer you know I, yeah. um uh, bell and ross did this with their new integrated bracelet the bro5 um they're you know they they get it but like giant square sports watches are not for everyone and that's okay <laughs> and we can and we can come up with something that's a little more uh you know uh, every day in the in the office in the in the boardroom sort of wear um and 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 for those particular buyers because i don't think they're the same people so if you're just sitting back and like looking at tutor and saying like oh you should have done this you shouldn't do this and whatever you know like it it comes down to what's going out of the what's coming what's leaving the glass case is there anything that we think that is missing from the collection or anything we'd like to see from tudor i mean i'll kick it off i'd love to see a black bay 58 with a date on it it could be the date at six. It could be the date at three. I think. I think it would just for me that would just top Any it day. off. I I owned a Black Bay fifty eight, and um, you know I liked it. I've had dateless watches as well. I wore a Seamaster, uh, yeah, Speedmaster without the date for ages. I've obviously got the Rolex OP that's dateless, but I also like having the option of having watches with the date as well. So. I think Black Bay 58 with a date. I don't know, Justin, is there anything you think would round out the collection or anything you'd, anything on your wish list that they would do? I, I, I think the date would be great, certainly. I I think it would be awesome if they, you know, like some of the, like I mentioned earlier, some of these precious metal pieces that they're releasing, if they release them on a full bracelet, you know, a, a full 925 silver bracelet or a full gold bracelet, I think would be awesome. I I would like them to, I mean, you know, this is just my opinion. I, I I do think that they maybe should create another new piece as opposed to just creating so many black bays. Mm-hmm. Um you know, but I mean, you know, that's just my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I, I can't really put my finger on something that I would like them to do with one of their existing because I feel as I discussed it, I, I feel like they did it. Like if you you like you want green, you want gold, you want blue, you want gray, you want silver. <laughs> yeah. you know, we're not giving just we're not giving Sam a date, and I can't read the date right now anyway. So it does you know <laughs> get to that age where I could I could hold my arm out of four feet away from me. I still couldn't read the date. Give me you know even with the giant magnifier on the side of it, so that doesn't bother me. But I think yeah, uh, maybe right now is uh, too many eggs in one basket. We should start so. You know, as we just discussed, you know they they're they're they've gone into the the dress watch stuff, the integrated bracelet dress watch, the royal. Um, so yeah, continue continue to give us some new stuff. I'm I don't know if we're necessarily it's time for a new Pelagos, a new diver, because the Black Bay technically falls into that category, but I I I guess I'd like to see. Uh, a, a fresh modern diver or a fresh Pelagos. I think you're right. And we haven't talked about the Pelagos enough, really, because the Pelagos is, I mean, I've held a few, I've worn a few. They've, 
it's a dive watch, but it's it's more than that. That integrated um, clasp that they, they've got that actually expands on your wrist, it has some uh, yeah. spring mechanism in it that expands. Everyone I've talked to that owns this is like, this bracelet is amazing. I wish this bracelet came on every watch. <laughs> And the titanium, it's an incredible design. I, I almost wonder whether it's underappreciated, the, the Pelagos. What, I don't know what you guys think on that. Yes, you know what? I, I, I do agree with that. Um, that. It's definitely one of their best watches. I mean, you know, it, it's titanium, ceramic bezel, that spring-loaded um, buckle that you were just speaking of. Um, it's got the it's the, the, it's got the helium escape that's that's sort of on the side, which is nice. Yep, yep. And then you know they not only did you know they they also did the the lefty, which is right. the, the LHD. Yeah, that's right. Which I, I thought was like you know super cool. You know, so they're definitely aiming at like a younger you know. And thinking about like their sort of uh, resurgence into things. This is one of the models that started out with the ETA movement and mm-hmm. then moved on to their in-house. So the later ones have the in-house movement. So you actually have a, a, a switching of a, of a movement here. Um, I will make the very common argument that there's too much text on the dial, but it still looks great. I mean, that blue is just, you, I can overlook all the text on the dial when you see that blue. I think this is the same with the James Cameron Deep Sea Sea Dweller. There is no photographer on the world that can capture it like you see it in real life. First time I saw that James Cameron, that dial is like you lost in it. It, It's it's incredible, and same with that blue of the the Pelagos. You've got to see it, the Pelagos. You've got to see it in person. I think. Justin, thanks for joining uh, Chris and I again. No, thank you, thank you again for having me. I you know I'm I'm a big watch nerd, so I always love talking watches. Well, you're always welcome on the show. As always, guys, we really appreciate you watching and listening, and we'll see you next time on Casual Watch Talk. Thanks, guys. Bye.